0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent non Podcast brought to you in association with Workforce Dimensions Limited. Now the the good news is that we're here, the bad news is we're probably going to be here next week because we're still waiting for the news uh, from the National League. Uh, However, we will keep on going as good as we can, but this week is actually a proper football show, so really looking forward to this one. Uh, I'm John Phipps and on the
1: line now is a man who, according to my other half, has got a lovely set of bifold doors. Matt Gerald, how are you? yeah good thanks mate yes yeah, so, but you, you're not the first person to say that yeah so we've got the bifold. We, to be honest we don't actually open the match we've got the one that opens out but maybe in the summer within you know of an evening we should open them a bit more yeah so when we had the extension done a couple of years ago um we wanted bifolds so yeah yeah thank you very much i appreciate the uh the kind words about our bifolds
0: well the thing was is during your saturday quizzes um obviously you've been wearing some some tip-top shirts and I said to Haley one day so what do you think of, of his shirt and she said never mind the shirt look at the bifold doors behind him
1: all right well story of my life mate really that to be honest a pair of bifold doors is what it's considerably more attractive than me than me which is probably fair play to her to be honest there was a program last week oh we we're watching "To come dine with me and they were discussing the Bristol from Bristol and Bath right. and they were discussing the Bristol accent and I did say I didn't particularly like it so
0: well,
1: that's not very nice, is it? No, it's not very nice, thanks. No, I will send you a picture of my full bifolds, if you'd like, from a different angle. Oh, four, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah, woo. Yeah, yeah. well,
0: wow, that will keep me comfortable a a bit, yeah. So, anyway, um, I'm going to change things up a little bit, because I... I In moments of boredom, which trust me, there's been plenty of them, I was looking through um, some old podcasts. I was trying to pinpoint exactly when the drivel section became prevalent at the start, and I really don't know. So this week, as we've actually got a couple of interviews, we're going to move straight on with them. After I've told you uh, that it is our 123rd episode this week, uh, which has plenty of stuff going on, one, two, three, very easy. Uh, One, two, three movies, apparently... Was part of a network of file streaming websites operating from Vietnam which allowed users to watch films for free. It was the world's most popular illegal site uh, but it was shut down uh, in April 2018 uh, but it is apparently still active via clone sites. Match your IT man, he must know more than that uh, than I do. Um, there's also a program which i would never heard of before but it was on in 1988 and 1990. Uh, a British Television situation comedy uh, on Channel Four called Chelmsford One Two Three. Have you ever heard uh, of
1: that, mate? It, it, that, wasn't it the people who did the? Um, it's like Jimmy Mulhern. It's like the Hot histories one, wasn't it? I think it's oh. got Roy McGrath, Bill Philip
0: Pope, Howard Lou Lewis, Neil Pearson. Uh, Same
1: people from the, the dread Donkey, probably. I think wasn't it set in the olden days, Roman? Yes, one two three in the Roman Empire. Yeah,
0: in the year A.D. one two three. So yes. available on all four. So I may do some homework and watch that uh, at a later date. Uh, who dares wins? They were also in apparently. Uh, that's the sort of, um, of of people that they were who were in that. But I've never heard of that. Uh, apparently one two three is also a Lucas number, whatever that is. Uh, and in a more cheerful note, um, apparently Japan Airlines flight one two three. Uh is the flight which was the deadliest single aircraft accident in aviation history uh, on august the twelfth nineteen eighty five uh five hundred and twenty people uh died in when that plane crashed into a mountain in japan that's cheerful isn't it
1: yeah fly me fly me that's yeah fair well well. Unfortunately, planes planes don't at well, particular time, but planes don't seem to crash as much as they used to, did they? So, well, that was 520. That's a lot of people on a plane. So,
0: I think it was it's two scary. years ago. There was a, a whole year where there wasn't a single fatal uh, commercial jet crash.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I th- yeah. I think there's a, aviation. I'm not into aviation safety, but I think um, back in the day, it's a bit like like um, uh, people taking hostage of planes in the 80s. It was like one every week, but that seems to have died. De- well probably wrong words no longer prevalent anymore but I remember back in there there was one I think there's one in England that was stuck on then I was obsessed with it when I was about 12 the uh, with the um, hostage of the plane situation so but yeah whatever that was yeah it was that right I think it was in Manchester but yeah but uh, eventually it it ended, but you used to have a lot of hostage situations, but none now. Yeah, that's
0: quite out of vogue. Yeah, it really has. Yeah. Uh, also, before we move on from aviation, let's not forget uh, that it has been six years, two months and 11 days since the plane disappeared and nobody knows uh, where it is. Anyway, uh, let's move on then and talk about the football. And obviously the big news uh, this week is the... News that came out yesterday uh, from Ebb Street United, where they announced that their manager Kevin Watson's contract will not be renewed at the end of uh, the season. Kevin Watson took over the club in October, uh, did a a, a really good job. Uh, He initially was the uh, assistant uh, interim manager, uh, and then he took over and and got was given the job to the end of the season. Uh, 17 points in their last nine games. Uh, just taking them out of the bottom three as well Uh, and we spoke to him on this podcast what three four weeks ago and he said you know I'm getting ready I'm looking forward to to hopefully uh, being the manager next season and uh, yesterday it was announced and he was told yesterday that he no longer will be the manager and that his contract will not be renewed. Uh, Kevin Watson is a really really nice fella and uh, we're very very thankful to him uh, that we were able to speak to him this morning so here he is uh, the now former FC United manager Kevin Watson. Kevin
2: Watson. I'm disappointed, of course, um, you know, my contract was up at the end of May and I got a call from Damien yesterday to basically say my contract wasn't being renewed, so um, naturally disappointed and a little bit of a shock to the system, I have to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, just reading the statement that they said 17 points from nine games and you would got the team out of the relegation zone and I suppose that kind of shows what you can do and I guess you're frustrated that you can't finish the job.
2: Yeah, I mean, as, as you said, I'm I'm naturally naturally disappointed by the decision. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't see it coming. As, as far as I was aware, I was, you know, in in the process of um, putting a list together of players that we were going to perhaps um, target for next season, depending on what league we were going to be in. Um, yeah, I mean the the points and uh, you know that we accrued in our time at the club can't be taken away. Uh, Seventeen points from the last nine games is um, you know nearly two points a game, which is is good form in, in anyone's book. So yeah, I mean it, it's it's quite raw for me at the moment. The, the club gave me an opportunity um, in October, which I obviously am grateful for. Um, I I can look back personally um, and know that I I did the best I could.
0: Was it a bit of a baptism of fire coming into Ebb Street for your first managerial job?
2: Um, well, it, I mean, I'd obviously managed at Bishop Stalford, um, before, which was which was a couple of levels below, so I wasn't a complete <coughs> newbie to it, if you like. And having been assistant in the league at, at Stevenage and Luton, and and then at Hungerford and, and Eastleigh as well, with running more. You know, I'd, and having had years in the game, I, I always believed in, in my ability that if I ever got a chance, um, then I would take that chance. And you know, we we had ten points from sixteen games. It was it wouldn't have been easy for anyone, I'm sure. And we were in a we were in a dogfight for the whole time that we were at the club. Um, but having came come in with with the club. At, At the bottom of the division Um, We appeared With the the three going down scenario To have got out of it With that last game at Halifax But I mean that's all by the by now Um, We we don't know what would have happened The last seven games If we'd have have played them Um, But as far as I was concerned We were a full team And we were getting better By the game As the season went on Especially those last two months So um, baptism of fire it it was going to be difficult of course it was going to be difficult we were were bottom of the league on 10 points but it wasn't going to be an opportunity that I was going to pass up and I made I state my claim to the doctor the initial interim period went well um, and then we went from there
0: I think we've all seen that there's been off the field issues as well at EBSV but I think what really impressed me about what you did was that never seemed to be an issue you never talked about it and I think that's really impressive well
2: yeah I mean that that um was was the case? I think everyone knows that there, there were certain issues, um, but all I could control was the controllables. And that was my players on the training ground and on the football pitch um, that had nothing to do with anything else. We we set out to play um, in a certain way. Um, we were at the training ground working on each team that we were going to play um, week in, week out, different ways that we were going to play them. And as I say, I, that was that was my job. I was the manager of the football team, um, and that was was my I, what my I was paid to do. Um, and I, I believe I've done that to the best of my ability. As I say, you know, I'll be grateful for being given the opportunity and given the chance. And this is how football this is how football works. You know, people people move on. It's almost it's almost like ships in the night. Um, but. Of course, I'm disappointed. You know, my, my contract's not being renewed, um, so you know I've just got to get on with it. That chapter's gone. Um, the the my staff, every player that worked under me, um, and the supporters, I have nothing but good words to say about all of them. You know, they've all been they've all been brilliant at the club for me.
0: Looking back over over your time in charge, highs and lows. I can certainly think of, of what will be the low lights, but what was the highlight of your time in charge? Well, we'll after
2: we, I, I don't mind talking about the lows. I mean, Barrow, were, Barrow, Barrow was an exceptional
0: low. Um, I had Barrow, Chesterfield, and Royston down on my list. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, you can you can add you can add Barnet to that as well. Right. Um, yeah, we we had lows. I mean, we had lows. That's for sure. And it was topsy turvy, and you'd expect that from a team that was that was in the relegation zone in the National League. Um, we were never. Uh, Can't think of the right word. We're never consistent, if you like. But what we were consistent in was the fact that every time we had a poor result, we we didn't lose the next game. So, however many games it was, league and cup that we were in charge for, we never ever lost two games on the trot. Which I said to the lads that they can be extremely, extremely proud of that. Extremely proud of that because it shows that their reaction to disappointment and defeat was first class, Um, and we were only improving. We were only improving, and that's why I'm so disappointed that we didn't get to finish the season um, in a natural way, if you like, where I'm convinced we'd have stayed, not only stayed up, but stayed up comfortably with the, with the form we were in, um, having seven games to play. But the highs, um, I'd have to say, you know, the the extreme pressure on the home game against Chorley. We rode our luck towards the end, but obviously that was a six-pointer at the time. It, they would have closed the gap on us. Um, being 2-0 down at home to Hartlepool with 10 men at half time and then setting the team up in such a way you know to try and hit Hartlepool on the break when we knew they was going to have more of the ball and we got away with a 2-all draw and having 10 men for you know a, a long while in that game um, 60, 60 odd minutes I think it was extremely proud of the boys extremely proud of the way they listened to what we needed to do and how we, how we asked them to play uh, to away games um, to concede uh, no goals at Hartlepool and Halifax, which I'm sure everyone would have wrote a soft game to both games, and not only that, but the performances as well. Um, I was extremely proud of, of, of the boys, and you know we got beat four 0 at Chesterfield, and in the last half an hour, and it wasn't a reflection of how we'd done. I mean. Neither team looked like scoring that day. And then all of a sudden, Nathan Tyson, come on, funny enough, I played with at Reddit and gets a 20-minute hat-trick or something like that. So although it looks incredibly poor and battering, it, it wasn't. So I asked for a reaction at Maidenhead on the Tuesday following that. Um so a three-day turnaround. Uh, I'd left both forwards out, uh, gozzi and Josh, on the Saturday at Chesterfield. I, I just thought they'd look, they looked a bit stale, needed freshening up. Put them both back in and they were unplayable at Maidenhead. Because he got two goals, Josh got the other one. And that first half there was as good as we'd been in in my in my uh, time in charge. The football was absolutely a pleasure to watch and uh, we were we were we were outstanding. So um, you know, it was it was a struggle. It was a struggle for us all. Um, since, since October, since. but it was a challenge that we, we didn't shirk, and it was most certainly a challenge that the boys didn't shirk, and I think everyone on the outside looking in could see see the progress we were making.
0: And I guess that's the, the sort of biggest frustration for you, is you've never got to put it over the line, you know, it, it's always going to be the season that didn't finish, and, and you know, I, I think... Again, we don't know what was going to happen in the last seven games, but if you'd done it, then people would have been looking and saying, what a brilliant job Kevin's done there. And and I suppose people will still be saying that, but you didn't definitively get over the line.
2: No, we we didn't definitively get over the line. You're absolutely 100% right. And that is one of my biggest frustrations. However, you know, there was a point where we were nine points, maybe 10 points from safety, and we effectively overturned that finishing, I, I don't know, fourth in the form table and, and as has been documented, 17 points from the last nine games, which is nearly two points a game. Now any club in any league will take two points a game, let me tell you. So we were we were absolutely heading in the right direction. Um, I can feel proud of the job I've done. Um, I'm not going to say I don't. Um, it had its ups, it had its downs, um, but I look back and say, do you know what, is there anything I could have done different? In certain games, absolutely. But on the whole, my staff, my players, gave me absolutely everything. And I have to say, even in tough times, the fleet supporters, to a person, basically to a person, absolutely brilliant and so supportive of me. I, I, and I can't thank them enough as well.
0: And just finally, I guess the, you'd love to have another crack at management, wherever that may be.
2: Of course, of course, yeah. I mean, as I say, I'm, I'm 46 now. I don't class that as being a young manager. And I've waited my time being assistant. As I say, I managed at Bishop Stortford for, for a season. Um, I've been assistant four times, maybe five times. And the time was right. And I've always backed myself. My credentials in the game as a player, I had a very good career. I've worked under some brilliant managers, brilliant managers, including an England manager in Terry Venables. And I've learned off of all those people. Um so to be called a rookie manager maybe because it's my first job in the national League but in terms of what I know about the game and how I want the game to be played and my experience I wouldn't I wouldn't call that a rookie so absolutely I, I want to want to still to still manage you know I, I, I'm disappointed um, and everyone who knows me will know I'm disappointed um, but I would place on record. My uh, my thanks to, to the club for giving me an opportunity in the first instance and Gary Hill, who brought me in, um, to Dave Archer, who was CEO at the time, and, and now to Damien, you know, who not only called me, well he had to call me to give me the, the, the bad news last night, but he's also called me again this morning to see if I'm okay and, you know, we'll stay in touch, he's a good guy. Um, the, the club just want to go in a different direction and that's that's something that happens in football.
0: First of all, Matt, you've got to say uh, fair play to the bloke for, for having a chat with us because it'd be quite easy for him to ignore the text message that I sent in this morning.
1: Yeah, and I think he's done a really good job. When we were on the radio show and they kept losing, we thought, oh, is he going to lose the job? Then when Steve Lovell came in, which I presume that Steve Lovell came in above him, maybe him not knowing about that, uh, to bring players in. And when you look at the business model that absolutely is going on with his contract at the end of the season... And where football is going, you probably think it's no real surprise. But I think he's probably been hard done by. He seemed very popular with the obsolete supporters. He um, galvanised them, apart from maybe the drubbing against Barrow, which I think is probably about Christmas time. After that, it, you know, they've took, the form has turned around and they got outside the relegation zone. So I think maybe he could have got them out of it. And I think he's done. he's, he's got a lot of credit uh, at the moment in his job of what he's done. And I think a lot of clubs when football starts again, may be interested in him. But as I say, he's been a credit to himself. He's very good with the media and a credit to the club. So I think uh, if he comes back to uh, Ebsleet with a different club, we'd get a good round of applause from the Ebsleet supporters for what he tried to achieve.
0: Yeah, I mean, his second managerial job, as he said there, after a year at Bishop's Stortford, a couple of leagues below. And and I thought he acquitted himself really well. And we know that, obviously, there are problems behind the scenes at Ebsleet United. It's not the club it was a couple of years ago where there was a lot more money flying around and, and bits and pieces like that. and and But as he said in that interview there, all he could control was what was in front of him, what was going on on the pitch. And you could only say that he did as, as, as well as he can do. Yeah, they had some horror shows. And I remember we would listen to those interviews on, on a Monday night and we'd hear he would sound very, very dejected, the Barrow one in particular and the Chesterfield one. But he, he did a good job, and it, and, and that, that stat that he always said, we've never lost two in a, in a row. For a team at the bottom of the table, that's impressive.
1: Yeah, and he when we saw them again, and I saw them, of course, when they played Dover and uh, Boxingdale the day after, whatever it was, and to be fair, they should have really all over Dover in the second half. I think his lack of a striker probably come back to haunt him at times. I think they were creating chances. Were, he sorted the defence out. He managed to bring players in on loan. I think he's... You look at the Ebsleet business model, as we say in a lot of clubs may be going part-time, Ebsleet could well be one of the other clubs that goes part-time within this as well. And you look at the model, they've got a full-time chief executive, they've got a full-time director of football Steve Lovell, and you think maybe they can't afford to keep him on. If this was... If the league had finished and he stayed up and this didn't have any financial implications of the club, I would have thought maybe he would have done enough to earn a, a new contract. But probably the COVID-19 system has probably affected him in some way. I think
0: it's interesting as well, because you know, it's it's a pretty bold call to make from Epswich United when they still don't know what division they're going to be in next season. Because, you know, for, for, for all we've said, if, if they do go down onto a points-per-game basis it, and then decide to relegate teams and move teams around between the, the National League and the National League South, Everstate United could still find themselves relegated. So you would have thought if if there was a chance they might be
1: relegated and they've got a manager who's done a really good job in the National League, you'd want to keep hold of him, no? Yeah, I think it's just financial implications. Do you need at this level a director of football of Steve Lovell's pedigree who has managed football clubs before and a manager paying it the same sort of wage that one man can do the job? I think it's just financial implications, and I feel sorry for um, Kevin Watson, absolutely going down the model with director of football, and you would have thought, with Steve Lover in the race, it makes the obvious example that Steve Lover will be appointed manager of the club.
0: Yeah, if I was a betting man, and I have been known to have a bet or two, that would be where I would put my money. Um, we shall we shall see what happens with that. Uh, just going uh, back onto United, and their club statement. They said they'd like to place on record its thanks to Kevin and his staff for their efforts to stabilise the season. Uh, he was appointed to around difficult circumstances after a poor start to the season. Uh, the club would like to thank him for stepping in, stabilising results in the new year, prior to the premature end of the season and uh, that the, the global coronavirus pandemic necessitated. They also uh, released a club update as well. Uh, saying um, a few more bits about decisions that they've had to make and
1: um, well, that they, they put a second
0: statement out, did they, after the… Yeah, it's a sort of uh, a general update, I suppose, more than anything, uh, and a, a similar sort of uh, lines in there. But it also says, uh, Kevin and other foot managers must make hard and difficult decisions whether to need or retain players. So to the club must make hard and difficult decisions about the management team uh, during unprecedented times globally. And certainly in football, the number one priority for the club is to use process and a thorough approach for making important appointments to provide a platform and foundation for the future. Uh, without distracting from the contribution kevin made to the club having been given the opportunity in october 2019 to step into the role vacated by gary hill the club has made the decision to go in another direction and applied a measured process around the selection of the long term members of the football performance staff at at the club is best practice and the right process to follow so we shall see uh, what right, goes good,
1: on well, I, I cannot believe they would bring another manager in when you've got Steve Lovell on the payroll, I don't know. I can't remember what Steve Lovell's contract was. He given an eighteen-month contract, at fleet when he was appointed. I don't know. I if can't remember it. off the top of my head, but it
0: does say uh, director of football Steve Lovell continues to work on player retention and recruitment within the restrictions and uncertainty the current climate allows. So obviously, Steve Lovell is still there. Steve Lovell is is putting the strings in in terms of the players, uh, and it would surely. Uh, makes sense. I, I know this has been something we've talked about both on and off air uh, a few times I was always team Kevin Watson all the way through I, I, I thought he did a good but I know you as you said earlier on you did kind of feel when Lovell came in it, it was it was going to be a case of, of, of he would take the top job and it looks like it, it that surely is going to be the case
1: well it doesn't make any business sense to pulling somebody else in If you're not going to employ Kevin Watson, who got to know a majority of those players. I don't know if Kevin Watson was the man who released those players. We'll we'll probably never know. But I'll be keeping an eye out for Kevin Watson in the future, where he'll end up. But I'm sure a lot of clubs, maybe in Conference South or in the National League, will be um, having a look if, when it starts again, if you lose your job, a lot of clubs will be looking at him thinking, well, he's done a good job there. The way he approaches his job and the way he comes across, it's something that certain football clubs would like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, FC also continued uh, in their, uh, their mid-May club update uh, about the current scenario with the National League. Uh, and they say, we're now in the middle of May and still not any closer to having clarity from the National League on our status for next season or the structure of the league, including how season 2019-20 will be determined. There's daily speculation, articles and opinions are available to you as they are to the club and we know very little more than that. We have outlined our strong views to the league on a number of occasions on behalf of you, our supporters, our players and staff. We trust that the same reasoning around unfairness of promoting one or two clubs over others with so many points available, no guarantees that any club will be promoted over another is applied to the even more damaging process of deciding relegation positions with the same mathematics. The National League is linked to the EFL League too and the promotion and relegation system is something that everyone believes in. However, it is reasonable to postpone that concept for a season when powers beyond anyone's control have thwarted the various leagues' abilities to decide on just, fair and satisfactory determination on which clubs have earned the right to be promoted and which to retain their status. So that is basically them saying, no. didn't they once say that they thought Barrow should go up? I think they've now gone back on that and said no, no one should go up. Well, it, it, it's just the uncertainty, isn't it?
1: Uh, what well, we're hearing now League Two's gone yep. they don't want promotion they don't want relegation from that division yes. well, I don't know how the National League the problem is we'll keep going over the same old rubbish here <laughs> I would rep- appoint Barrow going up but it, if you promote Barrow the teams like Wildstone and Kings Lynn are well, promoted from that why can't we get promoted so uh, it, it, well, I don't know why the, now the Football League, League Two, has decided what they're doing or they're going to vote on it, which I presume they're going to vote on what they've decided that the points per game average and there's no relegation. Will, will the National League have now right decided what they're going to do? Because or are they still waiting for that? It just doesn't make any sense.
0: I, I still just don't get why there's such a rush to get all this sorted. I, you know, we know now that things are not going to get back to normal for quite some time. So let's not let's just stick a pin in this season and let's just just wait and see what happens rather than just making a definitive decision uh, and just waiting and then because as far I still do not think there is any way on this earth that we're going to be starting season 2021 in August or even September. So you know, the same reasons that they're spouting for cancelling all these seasons, all these remaining games now are still going to exist in in august september so I, I just i will never understand why they made the decision so hastily
1: yeah uh well if the well we've got, I've got no idea when football's starting again do we everybody says no even if the premier league finishes in well they're not going to start what at the moment people are saying till the end of july or end of june they won't be finished till what or end of august then you've got a break Maybe if something's a little bit better and everybody's, if we're not going to go through closed doors, we're not going to be doing it till. Well, we are we riping off the whole of next season.
0: Well, exactly. Who knows what is going to happen? Uh, And you know, and that's why I say it's absolutely daft that everything was made so very, very, very quickly. But uh, there you go. Uh, not a lot of else news going on in, in, with our National clubs at the moment. Um, I did see uh, Andy Hessentyler and was on uh, BBC South East yesterday talking about something else. Uh, he's obviously had to cut his own hair, hasn't he? Did you see it?
1: No, I didn't see him. My dad said he was there. He said he was at Crabble, wasn't he?
0: He was at Crabble, yes. He was at the home of football.
1: So he, well, maybe he's working on something. Because Dover, again, because I think my might have furloughed a lot of staff, there's not much coming out from them. Well, certain other clubs are saying they're releasing players, etc., like that. So, the, the noise coming out of Crabble is pretty slight, but that's maybe they're working on things and budgets, etc., like that. And maybe there's nothing to say. Um, certain players probably the contracts haven't expired yet as well because they went full time. I think they're on a 44 week contract, so maybe at the end of May, players' contracts will expire. So, you may hear stuff from that. Um, from then, when players' contracts expire, but yeah, Dover are on, a, I think they're on a 44-week, so you, you don't get paid probably July, uh, June and July and start again in August, so maybe contracts haven't expired, so there's not much coming out, but um, again, I think clubs are just waiting, waiting and waiting and we know what's going on, um, and it could be a longer, longer wait at the moment until, until the Football League, I think the League One, when they make a decision, tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah, I gonna, think, yeah. yeah. and that's interesting, they're going to extend the playoffs, so of course, all these sides, including Gillingham, of course, Saying um, top 10 sides could be in it, and they're going, Oh, it's a brilliant idea, isn't it? Now, when sides know they're going to be involved, they're um, saying it should be there. Okay, but I think in all this, maybe don't if you're going to promote the top two and you're going to end it this season, just have the playoffs in the normal routine. I think you're making it a a bit more sexy for television to extend the playoffs. I think. What happens then next season when teams say, oh, we finished 10th last year in the playoffs, they can go on it from there. So I think they're just trying to make it, trying to get as much money as they can from, from clubs. But, you know, Gillingham, I don't know what Gillingham's finances are like, but if they need £150,000 to test their players and bring players back, surely they might lose their playoff game if they're playing the third place team, if that's how it works. Is that financial viable? On paper, probably not, is it?
0: No, I wouldn't say so. And um, just another point... Um, hypothetically, Matt, there was a rumour going round, uh, which I know is, is substantial that, um, Dover had agreed to sell an unnamed player just before the lockdown. Yeah. Um, do you think that, uh, I believe said player is now out of contract. Yes. Uh, so do you think that they will still try and get
1: that money honoured? I presume that the other club, um, probably said, when it all was kicked off, we'll withdraw our offer. I'm led to believe that the contract offer for that player was very, very good. And maybe the, player, the, club, the club has said to him, well, wait till your contract runs out and we'll, we'll renew your contract and maybe give you the, you know, half of the transfer fee we were going to spend. Mm. Um, if I was the player, I'd probably do that. So, uh, from what, well, we'll put out of the bush, Effion was leaving Dover before this kicked off. Um, there you go. <laughs> he, he was going to um, Stockport for ten thousand um, pounds. The last game, that was it. So um, that was what I was led to believe. That's why he didn't play the last game. Um, and I you presume, think he wasn't injured. No, he wasn't injured. So <laughs> I, we're led to believe he was leaving. And if this had continued, the season had continued, he would have left before transfer deadline day to go to just go to Stockport. So I presume Stockport would have said, right? Well, we withdraw our offer and then said to any Effi- Effi- Effiong's agent if they still want him or we'll come back to you in um, at the end of the season and we'll join up then or Innie Effiong now probably holds even more power, doesn't he? From that, oh, this is what Stock... If other clubs were sniffing around him, right, this is what Stockport were going to give me. What can you do from there? But I don't know how much power Innie Effiong holds if the season doesn't start till January. So it's a difficult one, but... I presume that deal was off. Dover have lost out on a transfer fee and Efi will leave for free.
0: Yes, that's uh, pretty much my, uh, my understanding of it. And obviously regular listeners uh, will know about all the uh, counselling that Matt's had to go through to deal with this, uh, this recent news.
1: Uh, well, not recent news, but, but yeah. yeah. But good luck to him. He, he was a good servant. He's a willing trier. Could he have scored more goals? Yes, but in the National League he's a decent striker.
0: There were some great stats about him at the week, which you actually sent me, Matt,
1: um, yeah. about, about his season. Here we go. He's got to go. 16 goals. Yep. 32.7% of David Athletic goals. Seven match-winning goals. 26 chances created. Fourth highest in the National League. I don't know what I mean by that, chances created. But 37 successful dribbles. One hat-trick, three braces. So there you go. So he, he did have a good season. He didn't win the David Player of the Year, because he does alienate a lot of supporters. But he was a willing tryer. And I'll look out for him next season because if he's staying in the National League, I'm sure he will be scoring goals somewhere.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm certain that he will. Uh, we'll move on then to the Southern Counties East League, uh, where there's been more managerial comings and goings. Uh, five days ago now, so uh, just last week, uh, it was announced that Darren Anslow has resigned uh, from his post as first team manager at Lordswood. Uh, he took over in June last year. Uh, and led the Lords to 13th place in the scaffold before the league was cut short. Ten games still to play. And nine wins, five draws, 12 defeats. Uh, and the vice chairman, Paul Caulfield, said, Darren has advised you to exit work commitments and desires for more time with his family, We to take a break away from football, which is completely understandable. I uh, would like to thank Darren and uh, Owen Price's system for their all their time and efforts. Uh, they came on board at a difficult time, didn't have long to raise a competitive squad for the season. They achieved some noticeable performances and results, ensuring we remain comfortable in the league and highlighted their potential. We wish them both the very best in their future managerial careers. That statement finished with an announcement regarding the first team manager position will be made shortly. And by my reckoning, that shortly was about two or three minutes. Uh, the new manager of Lordswood is Neil Hunter, uh, who had been on uh, Darren Anzo's staff uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, He's also been at Irith and Belvedere, Beckenham Town, Fisher, uh, Punjab United and joined uh, Lordswood in January. He brought in Michael Dodsworth as his assistant, and Sonny Gladish as his first team coach. Uh, Paul Caulfield said we're delighted to welcome them to the club. Uh, Neil, as well, respectively, the non-league football. his enthusiasm for the role really shone through. Uh, an important stage for the club, this development of the youth structure. And looking forward to seeing further progression as their Kentley sides push on towards men's football. And the key link between the youth setup and the first team is the reserve section. We're delighted that uh, Imran Englefield and Chris Gardner will continue their management of the reserves. They had a great season uh, last year. And uh, said, while we do not know when football will resume. We are pleased to finalise the management structure so that preparations can begin to ensure that we have a settled squad, where to go when we finally get the green light to play again." Uh, so Neil Hunter is the new manager of Lordswood, and he also is our second guest on this week's Kent Only podcast. I spoke to him on Monday to have a bit of a catch up and find out about his hopes for the future at Martin Grove.
3: Yes, probably a funny time, but what it's done is given us time to. Um, get things in place. So, as is pluses um, but obviously these times are just so unprecedented. It's you know it's, it's horrendous for people, to be honest. Um, but it, it has given us a bit of time to, to sort things out, book um, players
0: and spots, things like that. Did it sort of come out of the blue, that the appointment and Darren moving on?
3: Um, well, I've been friends with Darren. Um, so... Yes and no. <laughs> Had a little bit of an inkling it could happen. Um, and... <sighs> he sort of said to me a few weeks prior to this, you know, it, this could happen, and to make some arrangements. You know, if I go down, the route, what I want to manage. Um, so, a bit of, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't out of the blue. you know
2: what
0: I mean? Yeah, and um, is this um, your your first time as a as the ma- as the main man? Cause you've you've done a lot of coaching around the county, haven't you? <laughs> um, I've
3: been the assistant manager for a long, long time. I've stepped in. When people have been sacked for you know, eight, ten games at a time, um, and to be honest, John, I've <laughs> lots and lots of people have said to me, "Neil, why on earth don't you manage?" And I think I was just in a comfort zone um, for so long. Um, I've been around with some very good managers. I've been around some really good managers, so if they're telling you
0: the same thing then you've got to start looking at yourself I think I was going to say so, so why is now the time you th- you've thought yeah I'm, I'm going to go for it now now because <laughs> if I'm really
3: honest with you it was c- my son um the, you know I, I've thought about it don't get me wrong I've thought about it for many many years I run Sunday type size before, which is a different level. We know that. Um, but my son, we had a really good chat about certain things, and he goes, "You got, you got to go for it. He goes, you, you've got to manage before you stop." Um, so when it came up, I, I I jumped at it. I had Darren's blessing, which is which is which is even better, um, and I put put the name forward. Simple.
0: And you brought Michael and Sonny in alongside you as well. I guess they're people that you know and and can trust.
3: Yes. Um, Michael played when we was here from Belvedere, going back quite a few years ago. He he was one of our players. Um, And a few years later, I was here for for quite a long time actually here from Belvedere. Um, I was with Matthew Longhurst at the time. And Sonny came in as a coach. He was very, very young. And I sort of, if I'm honest, with you, I raise my eyebrows. Cause I think we've got a really young coaching with, with a lot of good players, um, and he blew my mind away. Such a young, such a young boy with such confidence. Um, <laughs> and it, to be fair, he, he, he was the first one that I found because I know how good he is. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the boys I've known for. Well, oh, between probably Stanley I played in 10, 11 years. Like I've done these obviously different.
0: I've done them 15 years plus, I think. And so obviously you've, you've worked with a lot of good managers, so I guess you kind of picked up bits and pieces on how you're going to do it from them throughout your career. I, uh, yes, yes I have, I mean, I've,
3: I've got a clear view of how I want to do things, to be honest. Um, but I've I, I picked up some very, very good traits, and... Um, I mean, obviously, I was with Dean Harrison, a, probably not one of my friends, friend, um, three and a half years at Fisher. Um, and he was organised, a different level, um, unbelievably organised. Um, I worked obviously with Matty Longhurst um, and James Collins for a little while. I helped James out for a little while when he was at Cray Valley. Um, again, he's, he's another another good manager. Um, his attention to detail is unbelievable. So I've picked up some good, good things. Um, but I've got my own style. I've got my own style. And, and I think, speaking to Dean and, and, and certainly James Collins as well, Um, Again, them guys have pushed me as well about doing this. Um, They've all said the same thing. You know, I I probably don't get enough... I didn't get enough credit since then I got, you know. I'm a watcher. I'm a watcher and I watch everything and I see everything. And they have really... That's like I say,
0: pushed me on to to have a go at this. So, so what can we expect for, for, from your Lordswood team? Then, are, are you already working on players, bringing players in already, getting them signed up? I, I guess it's tough because we don't know when the season's actually going to start. So are you planning for August?
3: That's, that's the hard part. Um, yes, we're planning, we're, we're speaking to quite a few players. We've got a lot of positives coming back from that. Um it is a, a question mark as to as and when we start, but we want to be prepared when we do start. Um, what you can expect from our Lordwood side will be organised on off the pitch. Um, big believer, massive on organisation on off the pitch, with a little bit of a, a little bit of class at the top end. That's, that's, what, that's what we're hoping to to achieve. But we'll certainly be a well-organised side and we'll certainly be
0: well-organised up the pitch. I suppose there's big potential at Lords, isn't there? Because obviously Richard Styles did a really good job there and, and Darren did all right last year. And, and I think it's a club that you know a, a lot of people will look at and say, well, you know, they're in the shadows of, of Gillingham, Chatham, around that sort of area. But there is a bit of potential there.
3: There's, there's a massive potential, including the youth set-up. Um, that, that hasn't been utilised, and, and the reserves from when I came in last year looked at it, and there was a little bit of a gap between them. Um, I've spoken to everyone on the youth sides, side, and I've spoken to the reserve team managers, um, and that's something we are going to utilise. You know, there is potential there, but it's no good having potential if you're not using the resources that you got.
0: And just finally, I suppose that the most important thing is that we all stay safe over the next few months, but when it when it does get get going, you'll be raring to go.
3: Listen, that goes without saying, and, you know, I've got my views on, on you know, on this, this pandemic, and at the end of the day, right, you can't put any, any price on a life. Um, and we have got all, everyone's got to stay safe and do what we've been told to do. Um, and you know, hopefully listen, we're a day closer to the season starting every day we're a day closer and that's the only way you can look at it just try
0: and do what you can do um, to be better when we're given the, the, the green light uh, Neil Hunter there Matt he's, he's obviously taken on the job he, he knows the club uh, he's, he's, he's not a young manager but it's a, a good opportunity for him and he said there that you know, it's always kind of been an option for him and, and he thought it was kind of now or never. So, good luck to him.
1: Yeah, um, Lordswood. Uh, they had um, managerial stability for a while with a guy who went to um, Tunbridge, wasn't it? Uh, yes. I yeah. can remember his name. Was Styles. Richard Styles, yeah. Was Richard Styles, yeah. We so met him when, in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah the stability they've had there. Have they had a disappointing season? Probably, probably have. They've looked out there. The manager decided... To move on. And they've got somebody within the club to go from there. Again, it'll be an interesting league for this division when it comes back again. Lordswood, would you say they were a side at the right top end of the table? Probably not. But if we can bring the players in, develop the squad, I think that's all they're asking for. Uh, from that, the Scoring goals was a bit of a problem for them last season, I think, as well. So, when you look at some of the sides in this division, if you're going to do well, you've got to score a lot of goals. They necessarily didn't really do that. One of the lowest scorers. So, I think they'll look to go forward again, uh, and good luck with his position. I'm all anybody who's willing to take the the top job in a managerial thing, you've got to give him maximum respect. So he'll take it on, and we'll and we'll look out for the results um, intently next season. And I'm sure we'll get him on the show again.
0: Yeah, as he said there, you know, he wants to be solid at the back, but have a bit of class up front, and that is always uh, the one thing that's the problem. And and. He also did say there, as did the the vice chairman in the statement, you know, the the link between work bringing the youngsters through and, and getting them involved in in the team is is a big thing for a club like Lordswood, and and I think Sonny Gladish is going to play a big part there as first team coach because he was he's had four years in United United's youth setup, you know, that, so he's obviously got experience of working with youngsters and, and that is a, that's something that clubs at Lordswood's level have got to do, isn't it? Because especially if you look at it and, and say really, you know, there are four clubs in Medway, you've obviously got Gillingham, then you've got Chatham, Hollins and Blair and Lordswood all sort of in that sort of area. So to, to get the youngsters in and, and give them that path into first team football is possibly the, the, the way to, to get the better of the youngsters to come in.
1: Well, I think if he's been working in the uh, Maidstone community, he must know a few players that can come in and do a job for him, which may benefit Maidstone as well, if he can bring players in from that. I think a lot of sides at this level, if they can look at the youth ability of certain of some of the academy clubs and players that they've worked up to the age of 16, 18, who thinks they can do a job in the scaffold, can benefit the players and benefit the club and benefit the former the parent club as well. So I think um, it's a win-win situation. And I think a lot of clubs will be doing that going forward from now on. Yeah, I mean, I do...
0: I say this a lot, but I do like the Skeffil. It's it's such a good uh, such a good competitive league, and there's there's plenty of, of good sides around there, aren't there?
1: Ah, uh, before we did all this, you know, the Skeffil or the Kent League, as it, I probably knew it from. You knew all about these clubs, but you didn't really too much about them. We know a lot about them now. The hard work that goes in behind the scenes. People putting 3G pitches in. Sheppard United didn't know much about Sheppard United. I don't think I've ever been to Sheppard in my life, but. You know, the passion of the chairman, the passion of the supporters and things like that. And you look at Chatham Town. Who would have thought five years ago that they'd be able to attract a manager of um, Scott Lindsay's ability from that? And Corinthian, the Corinthian story as well, which is an unbelievable story within football when you look back at it. And there's an interesting that on the BBC archives this week, John, somebody sent me one. And there was an, um, from 1979 a um, an interview with the um, Billings, the, the original owner of the club. Yes, I saw, I did see that. I haven't actually watched it, but yeah, I saw it's quite, it. It's quite an interesting thing. Uh, I do love it. He was old school, basically. He couldn't swear, couldn't do all things like this. Old school manager, but the best thing I ever watched it is from 1979. I think he had his Admiral tracksuit on, but he still had his shirt and tie underneath his tracksuit, which I think is, yeah. um, which made me chuckle. But yeah, it's a great division with some really big clubs or good clubs who want to go to the next level. And I don't think the scaffold can. Have any doubts they've got really good competition on their hands and maybe the opening of it up to other leagues, Southern Counties divisions, the Kent sides have come to the fore a bit more because it's their division and they wanted to do well. We've seen the likes of the Sussex clubs not do so well and have financial problems. So it shows the strength of Kent football.
0: It does indeed and, and I think uh, if you ever talk to either Matt or I off the record uh, about the, this this podcast and, and what we do I think we're, we're both probably surprised at how scaffold orientated we've become because when I had the initial idea, what, nearly three years ago now, and sent Matt the email. We kind of said, oh, yeah, we'll just do a little half-hour show, get one interviewee in, or it will mainly be about the National League Cubs, and we'll just look at that. But we have just found that there's so many great stories in the scaffold, and we're absolutely delighted that we're able to to give them all that, that bit of publicity that they might not otherwise get.
1: Yeah, again, we speak to the, the warmth you get, the respect you get from the league itself as well. We're very pushing the podcast we, we have to really thank them for that and one of the things you know i'd probably you know i'm not a fan of the premier league but i'd probably look at the scaffold results more than i would do at the premier league results which probably shows uh, where i'm looking at things these days
0: yeah absolutely well so we've 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 done this sort of show in reverse this week so uh we've done the football stuff now let's do the bit that people really listen to tune in for uh, how's the homeschooling going
1: we had a bit of an issue today but apart from that um uh, it's been okay. Yeah, we're, we're ahead of target. Next week's going to be difficult because it's half term, isn't it? I'm back to work on Thursday and Friday, but next week um, it's half term. So what do I do for three days with them from that? They want to just sit in front of the telly, So, but we still need to do a bit from it. So yeah, we're, we're getting an OK. I've learned a bit about, a lot about Charles Darwin, uh, a lot about fractions and onto magnets. I've just, a uh, delivery's arrived for some magnets. I've got to do some science homework. So uh, yeah, it's, the weather's good outside, um, but yeah, they, they, nine times out of 10, they're great. But some of the, the younger one struggles with their maths a little bit and gets a little bit het up. But um, we've got to try and work that. And I maximum respect for the teachers. So and they, they did get star of the week. They've both been star of the week in lockdown. Ah. Which, I don't know if that's for my teaching or whatever, but we, you can correspond with the teachers via these apps and things like that. So we're making sure that they do send their work in. So do you know I, know, I know it's difficult for people you know, if I was working and my wife continued to work, it would have been a bit difficult. So, I've been lucky in the situation that—not lucky that I'm not working—but I've got the time to spend with them to do their school work. So, and it's been quite good fun. But I, I, I don't want to become a teacher. I bet there's plenty of
0: other kids in your kids' classes who both had, but who've, who've also been star of the week every week.
1: Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> everybody gets star of the week. I'm not bigging them up from there, but they, they, everybody gets the star of the week. So they've got it. But the teacher was. I think but we did have a letter, basically, because they could go back to school on the 1st of June. I yeah. had a letter from the, from the school about it. And basically the schools were saying it would be glorified um, babysitting, really, because you can't do too much. You have to wipe everything down. So my, me and my wife got to make a decision if they open the schools, which I think the government are pushing for. But any teachers you speak to, you think is they're, they're not too impressed with this, that you would look, decision what we would do. If I go back to work, um, I might have to homeschool and work at the same time, which I don't know if that would be possible, but I don't want their education to, to suffer. So it is a difficult one. But the school, the letter we got from them, it was basically saying, this is a joke. What are the government doing? They don't know how schools are run. So it would be interesting to see what happens. But the, the government are pushing it, I think, just to make themselves look good. But all the teachers I speak to think it's not the right decision. Yeah, and obviously
0: uh, I've seen your baking's coming on as well.
1: Amazing, yeah. Baking, yeah. M- More bread. I Made a lovely chicken hat, chicken wrapped in parma ham yesterday. So, so I'm going to make sure I, I bake a couple of loaves each week. So when Sunday and Wednesday is um, baking a loaf. i have got another pie to make this week. So I've got to make sure I continue this. Really, you know, when I'm set without working, you've got plenty of time on your hands. But I want to hopefully continue at least baking the bread when I'm back to work. Hopefully and and carry it on because I haven't had a normal sl- normal in. Um, speech marks loaf of bread from the from the supermarket since so i'm just eating my own bread yeah we've got a bread
0: maker so i I will often stick some just stick a bit of a bit of the bread mix in there a bit of water and just, and just let it do it uh, i did one of those on saturday actually and uh but obviously that it's been bread mix has been in short supply with the uh with the shortage of flour up and down the place I mean, we're, we're doing a bit more different cooking i did a i cooked uh last week uh, I was t- talked about it on the show last week, didn't I? Haley had gone out to source some fish. Uh, yeah. She came back with with some cod fillets, nice. uh, which we then discovered had bones in them. So I had to get the tweezers out and pluck out all those little bones, uh, and then made it with for my Greek cookbook with my uh, with the wine and martini sauce, and uh, it was. Bloody lovely, if I do say so myself. We also made uh, a, a sauce to go with some steak on Sunday, and I'm very good at cooking steak, so um, so that was that was very nice as well. It was a sauce uh, that I saw John to cooking on this morning uh, with uh, mushrooms, tarragon, brandy and cream. That was very pleasant. Uh, yeah, so I think we're you know we're we're all eating fairly well here.
1: Yeah. Also, I've been a lot listening to a lot more music, and, so, and I managed to get went up the attic and got my old guitar down. And I wouldn't say I was a, a guitar whiz back in the day. I haven't played it for 20 years, but I got it down. And um, so I'm trying to learn a little bit more back on the guitar. I don't want to be the next Jimi Hendrix, but if I can pick it up, but I, I can't remember how to hold it to do the fingers. So any experts on here about guitar playing, I'd love to. have But I've, there's apps for it now that tunes your guitar and everything. So a lot better than I did in the day. But I've been listening a lot. A lot. Of, I'm really Do you like Bruce Springsteen. Uh, take all of it, no, no, but I've been listening. Um, now when you've got Amazon, you can get Amazon music through these things, and you so much better than Spotify because there's so many songs on there. So, I've been listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen. And if I could pick up one of his songs to play it, I'd be really pleased because I really like Bruce Springsteen. But yeah, the guitar, so I'll let you know, I'm getting on that. I have got lessons off the internet and apps and etc., like that. So, it's just w- remembering where your fingers go. So, but it's hard. I remember when I first started, I found it really tough, and I can see why now. But yeah, it's, it whiles away. Probably after this pod, I'll probably sit in the garden and have a a, um, a jam of the guitar. It it looks, is, yeah. uh, but um, do you play musical? You ever played any musical instrument? I
0: am the least musical and creative person you can imagine. I uh, I just I, I, I'd love to. Uh, I'm sure I've said on here before. Hayley's Haley's learning ukulele. Uh, obviously, her lessons have been curtailed by the. Uh, by the, by the virus and, and it used to work out quite nicely because normally uh, as regular listeners will know we record the show at one o'clock on a Wednesday well Hayley's um, lessons were at half past 12 on a Wednesday so it kind of tied in quite nicely so she was out of, out of the house not to listen to this because she, she's not particularly interested in this um, but obviously she, she's been a bit uh, hand-strung by it and uh, I'm hoping that she's us- going to get to sort of pick it back up and then be ready to, to go back to her lessons. Uh, is it, whenever they're
1: the ukulele. Did would she was
0: she would she say? She was getting on alright. She was she was able to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, um, Happy when Birthday. Um, no, that's the banjo. Um, I think is it,
1: is it when I came in with that was I'm
0: um, looking that up now.
1: You that was um Oh, when I'm cleaning windows. Who's George Formby. Oh, oh Formby. was ukulele,
0: I apologise. I, yeah. I thought it was played on the banjo, but no, yeah. it was the ukulele, I apologise. Yeah,
1: yeah, All oh, right, so yeah, it's... Well, yeah, well, fair play to it. I'd love to learn to play the piano and things like that as well, but it's, maybe when I'm retiring and things like that, when I've got time...
0: It's funny you say that you're listening to a lot more music. I'm actually listening to a lot less music in lockdown because... Hayley and I have very, very different music tastes and uh, I normally listen to music in the car. So I'll get in the car and I'll just plug my Spotify in and listen to it. And, I'll, and you know, I've whenever I was going up on sort of an hour long journey, i will just have music on all the way. So I'm not actually listening to that much music at the moment. And uh, Friday just gone should have been the day uh, that Biffy Clyro's eighth studio album was released, but it was put back.
1: I oh, uh, went coming did, out then
0: august now um but they uh they did release another single on uh on thursday which i do very much like as well it's actually called tiny indoor fireworks you'll probably hear it uh, on the radio if you listen to certain stations but uh yeah it's uh yeah, I was gutted that the album didn't come. and They were supposed to be going on tour in October, but I think we all know that that's not going to be happening because of the current situation. Uh, Why uh,
1: do they delay They could have released the album, though, couldn't they? Uh,
0: the short version is because, oh, it's not the right time to do it, or oh, that that's the proper version. The actual reality is that their record label think they won't make as much money out of it if they don't release it when they can't go and promote it properly. Oh. So... Uh, yeah one of those uh, are you watching anything on the telly we've been uh, we've started watching that White
1: Lines on Netflix yeah that's the next one on the list but there's a lot of nudity well uh, my mum and dad saying that well dad was saying there's a lot of subtitles and he said that by the time he gets to read the subtitles they've moved on to the next one so he, it's annoying <laughs> him a little bit yeah, there's, there's a lot of nudity in that isn't there
0: we've seen the first two and there certainly was plenty of nudity in the first one something,
1: something um, that, so. well, yeah. I, I don't mind that but, but um, no he's done Stranger Things episode series two so um we've done that and we're live on a strange three. I watched the Gaza film. There's a film on Gaza on Amazon. Oh, right. about 25 years about five years ago though, so about his career. you know that, that thing, that last goat thing. What's that? Magic dance, is it? Last dance. A lot of people on my Twitter are about commenting on that. and I would have thought not anybody they've really commented about basketball before. So I probably won't watch it because I feel I'll be jumping on the bandwagon if I watch it. I have got no interest in basketball, but apparently, if you're a sports fan, it's the greatest sports documentary ever lived. So, if you are watching it, and I do love my sport, etc., give me. A, do you need to be into basketball to really like it? Do you so, know you've watched any of it? I have I've watched some, it. Yeah, I, be, I did tell you about
0: the Formula One thing last week.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, exactly, yeah, I? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, on your right. list. Well, I can't. I can't abide Formula One, so. Uh, um, it's good it is good, it's good yeah, I, I probably, yeah I probably should Broaden my horizons Really From that Should I watch The basketball one
0: um, There's something, If you don't know A lot about it It might be quite interesting um, What else was I going to say oh, you, were, you were asking For comedy programmes I've given you two before Have you ever tried To watch either of these The Goldbergs And How I Met Your Mother
1: No No No, no. they on
0: They're on Netflix uh, Well I don't know Where Goldbergs is Goldbergs might be On all four but uh, How I Met Your Mother is on Netflix, and yeah, it's, the, it's brilliant.
1: What I've started watching stop? Incredible Kimmy Schmidt. Have you watched that? No. That Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, even. So I've started that, but I, I do like a good old British commentary, uh, commentary comedy. To be Trump's honest. for one, two, three, anyone? <laughs> Just for one, two, three, yeah. I, I, there's a few on the BBC iPlayer, but this country was that good and a Detectorist I've seen which I loved as well that's on the BBC but I've already watched that so yeah I do like another half 25 minute comedy um, programme if there's any out there I, I'm not apart sure. from the Brooklyn Nine-Nine will fit your
0: fit your fit your criteria
1: yeah yeah so I think there's Parks and Recreations is that one of them is that got Andy Sandbrook in as well or something the same people who did Brooklyn Nine-Nine sure I'm sure there's something somebody said about that that's the same sort of thing from there so i do you know brooklyn 99 is watch over and over again i do love that program so yeah any other comedy comedy one programs give us a something a half an hour a bit like this country i did enjoy fleabag those sort of comedies that are a bit dark that's my sort of um forte so if anybody can recommend that as well that'd be cool
0: yeah um i'm gonna you know sometimes we like a bit of trashy tv in this house yeah uh, I'm going to introduce you to the world of 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> That's <laughs> going to
1: be on. That's going to be on what channel?
0: TLC. 5? TLC.
1: No, no, no. I don't even know. Well, now we had that channel.
0: Yeah. It's the one they show. Uh, say yes to the dresses on that. You like that? Um, basically, um, three or four weeks ago, um, Haley was just channel hopping one night I'd gone to bed and she said oh god and she said I said what time did you come to bed she said oh about three o'clock I said why she said I started watching this program it's called 90 day fiance I said "All oh, right." she said it's just the most unbelievable thing basically they follow like half a dozen Americans who have all met people on the internet and then go and meet them uh in foreign climes uh, or not in some cases um and it sort of follows their relationship. So these are your typical uh, relationships. so you've got the hideous age gap, um you've or, or you've got you know just people who are one thing and say there's something else. and um there's the, the current series is, we we think it's the fourth series. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. There's this poor sap um called David from Las Vegas, right He's sixty, and uh, his he is flown to the Ukraine to meet his, and I quote, girlfriend of seven years, Lana. Now, Lana looks incredibly like she should be a model, uh, and she's young. And um, the the, the kicker to this is that they've never swapped phone numbers or email addresses. Uh, And David can can only speak to her via an app. When she's online, so they arranged to meet at the train station, she didn't turn up. They arranged to meet somewhere else, he didn't, she didn't turn up. He then went to the village where she that she'd said about, went into the sweet shop, holding pictures of his girlfriend, girlfriend The in inverted commas, saying, have you seen this woman? And they went, no, never. Uh, then they arranged to meet in, in a restaurant, never happened. So then he went to an address he had for her and a bloke opened the door who was well in his 60s and had lived there for 25 years. Uh, it's that sort of thing. There's another bloke called Ed, who is the funniest looking thing you've ever seen. He's got no neck, no chin, uh, and he is an absolute... Oh, he's a moron. Uh, he's 54, I think, and he's um, hooked up with this 23-year-old from the Philippines called Rosemary. Uh, they went to stay in her house uh, with her son, a young son, and he... Um, couldn't quite understand that the Philippines was a third world country and insisted he had to get out of there after just one day. Uh, He gave her toothpaste because her breath stunk. Uh, He told her to shave her legs. Uh, (laughs) And it's just, I mean, it's just an absolutely staggering Program. There's a lot of adverts in it, so you can whip through it quite quickly. But And then there's another woman, that I, and I won't, I won't stop talking about this shortly, because I've been talking for a long time about it. The a woman called Yolanda, who lives in, uh, she's also in Las Vegas. Uh, and she's got a boyfriend, in, again, in inverted commas, who she's only met online, uh, called Williams, who apparently lives in the UK, uh, who has now deleted his Instagram, changed all the pictures, and she still and, and has said he's been hacked. And she still doesn't think that she's been had. She thinks it's she thinks Williams is there and he's the he's the victim of a, of, a, of a horrible crime. You've been had, Yolanda Love. Come on, turn it in. But it's just it's just gripping. It's absolutely gripping.
1: Somebody of your education, John. Yeah. What well, you know? We should be watching about science on the telly so I'm disappointed when was hard, bro, was yeah. you
0: was in high your, in your day-to-day life you like to switch off with a bit of nonsense mate I've done 123 episodes of a podcast about non-league football in
1: mm, Probably, yeah that's probably uh, that's, if that's not niche I don't know what it is to be fair
0: yeah so, uh, yeah, so there's uh, something for you uh, how's the rest of your lockdown life going alright yeah
1: has... No. Yeah, just carrying on yeah. um, go for a walk do that have dinner Come home, watch Telly go to bed. So that's, uh, that's it, yeah. So that's about it. I suppose next, well, the next thing we're waiting on, unless all the Kent sides sack their manager and appoint your landy to be the manager, <laughs> Williams, we <we're just> waiting <laughs> for the National League, aren't we?
0: That's all we're waiting for. Uh, it's, yeah, it's Sunday, incidentally just gone should have been the fa Vase final yeah. uh so there's uh, something uh that could have happened i'm just i'm just reading that ch- uh, an extra bank holiday in october is being considered yes bring it on that'd be great thank you very much that'd be very nice uh to right. have. just to help the tourism industry matthew right.
1: but then people will say that we've had enough wow.
0: probably yeah um and just one final thing that's going on in my lockdown life uh in about half an hour's time uh, so I will have edited this before, uh, after, sorry, this instance happened. But we're going uh, to potentially meet a new cat to come and live in our house. Uh, this cat is a girl. She's uh, six years old, we think. We've seen a picture of her. She's she's pretty cute. She has the worst name you could imagine. Any guesses? Pussy. Yeah, not far off. Uh, cause you've got to think, when you've got a cat's name, you've got to think of something that you'll be comfortable going to your back door and shouting if it goes walk, walk right. about and yes i may watch some trash on the tv yes i may do a podcast about non-league football but if you think i'm going to my back door and shouting pancake pancake you have another thing coming interesting yeah
1: what would you change it to
0: Yeah, we have a. it's up for debate we're, we're we don't know definitely do gonna to to,
1: go for this uh,
0: they're doing self so social distancing viewings up at a place in Eastbourne, uh, only 10 minutes drive away. So Could you pick up there see. and then? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you, you'll see probably on my social media if, if she uh, if she appears. Uh, Earlier on, I put a video up, a slow-mo of my cat eating a dreamy, catching a dreamy in his mouth, actually. Yeah. So uh, do seek that one out if you've got nothing else to do. Um, but yeah, so we, we don't know what's going to happen, but hopefully um, soon we'll be back up to our full complement of four uh, in this house because uh it's been 4 weeks now since little denny left us and uh we we're, we're all missing having uh, another cat around the place, so hopefully this, she'll be the one for us. So we shall see. Anyway, anyway, we have prattled on for far, 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 far too long. Uh, but hopefully uh, you will enjoy the fact that we did the the actual good stuff first, and then the nonsense later on for a change. Um, but yes, we are we, we will be back next week, uh, yes again, as we still wait for the national league decision uh, to be made. But once that is made, we will kind of wrap things up for the summer because uh, you know we are running out of things to say. I've just talked about 90 day fiancé for god knows how long um but yeah thank you everybody for listening don't forget you can find us on social media at kent nl podcast is the uh, is our podcast account i'm at john 81 matt is at matthew underscore gerard uh, you can also find us on facebook if you just search for the kent Only podcast you will find us on there uh, you can also find me on facebook as well if you want i've got plenty of friends who, who listen to this show so you're more than welcome uh, to to join that uh, but do search for me. Matt, doing another quiz Saturday, the last one, all right?
1: Last one, yeah. It's the uh, FA Cup final special because it will be in the FA Cup final this week, which the FA Cup died for me when David got knocked out by Cup this year.
0: Uh, uh, someone up, no, no beat South End.
1: Hang on sorry, Hang on, mate, for a second. Uh, oh, so he's still there. So looks like the magnets that I've had have been smashed. So there you go. That's good. So that's good. Magnets. They're probably If they can avoid it going with my mobile phone, please. <laughs> oh,
0: dear.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, so there's a quiz on... So, 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 who did knock David out the FA Cup? I'm just, I'm just I? That. Peterborough. Peterborough. Peterborough so, you know, the FA Cup yeah. died on the 1st of December, which it was. But there will be a quiz about the FA Cup um, this week on there. So that's the last one. So uh, if you want to see my bifold doors, follow yeah. the David Cricketers Facebook site and you see me on there.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much to everybody for listening this week. Thank you, Matthew, uh, for your time as always. And uh, I'm sorry about your broken magnets. Uh, But uh, yeah, thanks very much, everybody. And we will speak to you all next week.
1: Yep. Cheers. Take care, everybody. Bye.